0: Today is a little different, for so for our 10, well, I know you laugh because every Sunday is different. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. So thank you for laughing and thank you for being okay with that. My name's Andrea Smith. If you're worshiping with us for the first time in person or online, I extend a very special and warm welcome to you. Uh, this is a place where we try to grow in our faith and learn more about Jesus and maybe encounter Jesus for the first time. And it's also a place that we like to have fun, one of our core values values is to have fun. Now, next Sunday, we are going to start a message series that you're going to see promoted in just a minute called Going Viral. And you're going to see some videos that have gone viral, and we're going to talk about the life of Christ and how that went viral. We're also going to offer an opportunity for you, if you would like to maybe grow one step deeper in your faith by Memorizing scripture We don't don't focus on that We don't talk about that a lot It seems intimidating But when we find ourselves In the middle of some of the obstacles That we face in life We need something to hold on to And I believe And I hope that you do too That the Bible contains Some foundational principles On which we can rely If we know what they are So we're going to pick Some relatively easy verses To memorize And you're going to get an email About that tomorrow So respond on to that and let us know if you'd like to be a part of our uh, focus during Lent. Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter, not counting Sundays. Sundays are called mini-Easters. We often encourage each other to give up something or take something on. Not so we can lose weight or be healthier or, you know, have more money, but so that when we do those things, we'll become mindful of our faith. And I also believe in public accountability so, I'm going to go to the gym uh, three times a week. And also, I decided that I have too much stuff in my life as I approach 50. Uh, there's just too much clutter and too much stuff. So, every day during Lent, I'm going to give away 10 things. Um, I have a lot of junk, and I've already started gathering it. And so I want to rid my life of some of the material things that I have that that just don't matter. So I would encourage you to prayerfully consider something that you might either take on or give up over the 40 days during Lent so that as you, as you think about that... You, perhaps you 'll grow closer in your faith now today the message is going to be in four parts and don't worry you will not be here forever I promise you 'll be out by eleven o'clock and because uh, I don 't want you to think there 's four thirty minute messages but Leading up to the Super Bowl, we encouraged you to pick your favorite Super Bowl commercial. You know, there's this idea that God can only be found in church or or in, you know, formal structures. But I believe that God can be found. God exists in everything unless it is profane. If it's profane, then I don't think we'll find God. I think we'll find the opposite, you know, evil, darkness. But I do believe that we can find God in everything everything that is that is not profane. So for the Super Bowl, we encouraged you to pick one of your favorite commercials. What well, ended up being like a four-way tie, literally. So I kept trying to get you to vote again, hoping that you would break the tie, but you didn't. They kept coming in four different commercials. Now, I do want to give a disclaimer that one of the very popular ones was the M&M that got hit by a bus. And that, that commercial does have a lot of faith principles that we could take away from it about the will of God. Uh, but I decided not to use that one for today because number one, we have a family that's been a part of West and, and they lost their daughter to a car accident. And I just felt like that would be a little insensitive. And also when we start talking about the will of God and does everything happen for a reason, there's no way to sum that up in seven minutes. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about that this fall. But you, but you chose four other commercials. And so we're going to look at those and little snippets. Now you tried, some of you tried to choose commercials that would stump me and you did a very, very good job. There are two that I really had to struggle to come up with some faith principle in and then there are two that really do have some impactful meaning. So we're going to do two together and then have another worship song so you won't fall asleep and then we're going to do two more together. Now the first one, uh, how many of you have an Alexa? Will you clap? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say Alexa, will you clap? Okay, good. So everybody at least knows about it. I personally think Alexa is one of the most annoying things ever. I joke with Scott Smith, my spouse, that I think he would marry her if he could, and I also think she hates me. Uh, There's, there's, you know, on Mondays all the staff work from home so we can like study and and get ready for the week ahead, and so I'll be sitting there and I'll be reading the Bible or, or working on writing devotions, and all of a sudden this light starts on top of Alexa, and it. It blinks. And I learned recently that that means that you have a notification. And, you know, Scott sort of fusses at me a little. And he's like, you just don't talk to her the right way. You know, you're mean to her. You yell at her. And I'm like, well, you know, she doesn't listen to me. And so it's this on-again, off-again battle that we have. He likes to listen to her. We get up about 4.50 a.m. And the first thing that he does is, Alexa, tell me the news. And then all of a sudden, we have Alexa. And later on that day, all of a sudden the little blinky light will start going, and I'll say, Alexa, what is my notification? And that's what happens. And Scott Scott will come home and he's like, why didn't you ask Alexa the notification? I'm like, I did. I did ask her. So I will confess to you some of my sin. I have called her some names. And uh, that has not made her respond more favorably to me. But, you know, she doesn't listen to me. So I particularly liked this commercial that showed during the Super Bowl. Take a look. In Austin, it's 60 degrees with its... (laughs) Alexa? Amazon's Alexa lost her voice this morning. causing a Alexa lost of- her voice. How is that even possible? We have the replacements ready. Just say the word. And you're sure this is going to work? Yeah. Alexa, show me a recipe for a grilled cheese sandwich. Pathetic. You're 32 years of age and you don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Its name is the recipe, you d***. Alexa, how far is Mars? Okay. Mars? Well how am I supposed to do? I've never been there This guy want to go to Mars (laughs) For what? (laughs) There's not even oxygen there Alexa, set the mood Now setting the mood You're in the bush And you're just so dirty And you're so sweaty Because it's hot in that bush Alexa, rebush, reboot Alexa, play some country music (laughs) I don't dance now I make money moves No, no, Alexa, country music What's the call, Brandon? I'm afraid Brandon is a little tied up. But do let me know if there's anything I can help you with. <laughs> Jessica? Does. Good boy. Thanks, guys, but I'll take it from here. So, what faith principles can we take from that? Well, in the book of James, there's pretty specific instructions on how we use one of the strongest muscles in our bodies. I want you to take a look at this scripture verse from James. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener. When you're anything but, letting the word go in one ear and out the other, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are and what they look like. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongues." In an age where digital media and digital communication is at the forefront of what we use, perhaps this is a scripture verse that we could take to heart. Maybe, like Alexa, we could lose our voice sometimes and remember to listen. Remember to listen intently and remember that what we say and how we say it carries much more of an impact than we can ever imagine over the years, I have received a myriad of emails, and some, you know, they're, they're keepers. You want to keep them. And then some, after you read them, you're like, oh dear, I didn't realize I was that awful of a human being. And, you know, sometimes when they start with, now this is not a criticism, but I'm like, oh, well, probably it's going to be. So, you know, I put on my thicker skin, and over the years, I've had to, to grow some thicker skin. But one of the most poignant things that ever happened to me was we were having a stand- staff retreat around this topic. we were having a staff retreat, and we were talking about things that we needed from each other. This was several years ago, and we were supposed to say one positive thing that that staff person contributed to our lives, and then one one thing that we really use could use them to focus on and perhaps do a little differently. Now, a few years ago, we did this color inventory that's on, off the Myers-Briggs, and you're either blue, which means very emotional and, and feeling, green, very philosophical, and thoughtful, gold, very strategic and organized, I'm not gold, and orange, which means just fun and happy-go-lucky and competitive. Uh, I have no gold and no green in my personality whatsoever. I'm like a tie between blue and orange. And so I like to have fun and I wear my feelings on my shoulders far too often or or used to. I I thought I still did until in that retreat environment, uh, several of the staff said, you know, we." we would appreciate it if maybe you would put a little more fluff in your emails. And I'm like, fluff in my emails now when Wes first started some of our leaders said Andrea get to the point you know there's all this fluff and you just need to you need to narrow it down and, and just get to the point we don't have time to read these novels that you send us they were not harsh uh, and critical like that but but the point was I was rambling and saying you know how wonderful the day was and blah 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 and when really we just needed to you know make sure that we had a meeting in two weeks or something like that and so for the staff to say to me you know we we need you to put a little more fluff. We need a little more warm fussy from you. It caused me to ponder. And so we started this conversation. I'm like, well, tell me more. What, you know, what am I doing that is feeling offensive? And so then they would cite an email that I'd written. And I'm like, but it's just, it was just the facts. That's all that was contained in that one email. and And they said, well, but you know, we didn't know if you were mad. I'm like, why would I be mad? I'm just saying we need, you know, three greeters outside in the parking lot before worship starts. And they need to be staggered, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing mad or critical about that. It's just a fact. And they're like, but, but when we read an email, we don't have any context. So what if we all started looking at the way that we communicate with each other maybe a little more closely And maybe if we'll speak less and listen more to one another, maybe our relationships will be stronger. Many of our teens and our young adults prefer text over a phone call. Sometimes it's just better to pick up the phone so we can hear the person that is on the other side and and listen and then respond. You know, the book of James has a lot to do about conflict and relationships and, and there are several passages that have to do with how we, use, how we use our voice. We've been given this voice as a powerful tool but how many times do we end up not using it for good and, and we don't even mean to? You know, I certainly would never want to hurt the, the staff's feelings. I, I am certainly not conflict avoidant, but I, I'm not passive aggressive. I joke, I'm just aggressive. So if there's an issue, I'm not going to send you little innuendos in an email. We're going to talk about it. Conflict is, is healthy. But because they couldn't understand the context and the tone, they didn't know how to infer and what to infer from those emails. That's a lesson that I've had to learn. Perhaps it's a lesson that we can all learn and perhaps if we would learn this lesson of listening more and judging less the next commercial that you chose would would have more meaning to us take a look at this one that is a great question I gotta go long story short you're probably fine sorry man no worries we're not late let's go where am I going? What's going on? Seatbelt? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, come funny. On. Go, go, go. go. Whoa! Seriously? I Can I change the music? No. There he is. Nice <laughs> shoes. Yeah, those are cool. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's do this. Oh, come on. <laughs> When you were late, I'm already down. It actually wasn't my fault. Oh, couldn't get it fault. It so Come on. I wasn't late. late. Oh, yeah. 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 So last Sunday night, we as a nation were pretty much divided into three groups the Patriot fans, the Eagle fans, or the I Could Care Less group. And Or maybe the Puppy Bowl fans, you know, apparently that's a a big thing now. Uh, But when you walk into a stadium of any sport, there is an energy and there is just this excitement and it's contagious. You know, I am a, a tepid Panther fan. But over the years, I've had the opportunity to go to a few games. And I'm going to tell you something. When I walk in and there's all this energy and this excitement and, and they come running out of the locker room. I mean, you can't help but get excited about it. We unite as a nation around some very interesting things. Why is it that we can't unite around God? Why is it that we can't have respect for one another's religions. Why is it that we can't acknowledge that you know God is big and there is a wideness and a vastness to God's mercy that probably we can't even begin to understand. On Christmas Eve, we gave out little uh, slips of paper and we asked you to tell us what you would like to hear messages on in 2018 and 19. And I would say at least a third of you wrote something about understanding other faith traditions and understanding other religions and, and who who's going to go to heaven and, and what is eternal life and who's out and who's in. So later this fall, we're going to do a message series called Coexist. And we're going to hear from people from the Islamic community and the Jewish community and the Buddhist community. And we're going to look at all that. Because you see, you know, it wasn't until the late 1800s and early 1900s that religion started being something that ended up dividing people instead of uniting if you study the old testament the hebrew scriptures when abraham was called by god and god said you know i'm going to make you a father of of many nations the words many nations are contained throughout the hebrew scriptures over 500 different times well did we ever stop to think what the many nations meant You know, Hinduism is older than Judaism. It was around when Abraham heard that call from God. And so, you know, we have made religion something that keeps other people out instead of welcoming them in. And so all those many nations throughout the Hebrew scriptures and the Old Testament, when when we read about that, it is not nearly as exclusive and damning as we think. So, I mean, there's not enough time to get into all that. But I did want to show you a statistic because I think that Super Bowl commercial can, can teach us all something about our faith. Look at this statistic. In our world in the year 2015 by Pew Center Research Group, one in three people were known and professed to be Christians. That's like 2.3 billion. One in four Muslims, 1.8 billion. One in six are unaffiliated, and uh, that meant a lot of different things. So they lumped all that together, 1.2 billion. One in six are Hindu. One in 16 are Buddhist. And one in 500 are Jewish. So Christianity is the largest, and then the Islamic faith, the Muslim faith, is, is right behind that. Now, I want you to take a look at the scripture verse that Jesus left his disciples with before he ascended into heaven after the resurrection. It's the great commission. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this. Pay attention to this part. In this way of life. Making them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. You know, if you've studied the King James Version, go ye therefore into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Teach them and raise them up in the way that I have commanded you. Well, what way was that? You know, think about it for just a second. If Hinduism and the Islamic faith of which Abraham gave birth to more than just Judaism... If these other faiths were around, and we have these teachings of Jesus that we have in the New Testament Scriptures, how many times do we see Jesus call out other faith traditions and damn them? We don't. We do see him get pretty pointed when he starts telling people, you know, you're really not living right and you need to change. And the majority of the time when he wrote commands such as that, the the harsher, more angry commands, it was against the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, because they were making religion more about rules and who was out instead of who was in. We have the chosen people or the Israelite people in the Hebrew scriptures. And everyone else was known to be a Gentile. So you have the Jews and then you have the Gentiles. And then in the New Testament we read about the Jews, the Gentiles, and then the Samaritans. The Jews were were the ones who, you know, got it right. And then the other two groups and, and others were scorned. Those many nations, they were all scorned. And then the message that Jesus kept teaching over and over and over again was maybe just listen and maybe just focus and maybe learn that God is love and the way that we live out that love is by loving God with all that we've got and loving each other. Maybe that's what we should focus on, this new law that I'm going to write on your heart, not the 615 that you'll find listed in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures. That's the greatest commandment of all is to love. Now, personally, I believe that Jesus Christ is the way. And again, this fall, we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the the strings that bind other world religions together because there are similarities in each one. But then at some point, we all deviate from each other and, and we go our separate ways. I believe that Jesus embodied for us the very nature of God. I believe that for thousands of years, people were trying to connect with this God, this Yahweh or Jehovah, and and they just couldn't. And we read of that in the prophets. They kept telling the people, look, if you won't focus on earthly kings and you'll focus on this one king, God, then your life is going to be so different and so much better. But they just couldn't. They They needed God in a human form. And so we have the person Jesus of Nazareth. And then we have the way that he lived. Jesus never made it about who's out and who's in. He made it about offering love and showing God, which is love, to all people. If we are one in three, that means there's a lot of others that don't see God and faith the way that we do. You've asked, you know, well, how do I share my faith with others? How do I convince other people that are not Christians that, you know, Jesus Christ is, is the way? I'll guarantee you how not to do it. You know, tracks on their car probably is not going to win them over. Fear-based theology, looking at religion like a life insurance policy, you know, that if you do this, then you're all good, and if you don't, then you're going to burn, that's probably not going to win them over for long either. It'll work for a very short amount of time, but but it won't work because life always leads us to some dark places. And if we have a fear-based theology, then we won't have what we need to get out of that darkness. Because who wants to love a God that leaves us in the middle of pain and torture? Jesus said, love God with all you've got. And love your neighbor as yourself. That was the message that he had that went viral and that's why, for the next six weeks, we're going to take a look at what goes viral in our lives here today because things do. Things we would never even understand why in the world they've gone viral. But something about Him, and I believe it's the message of love, went viral so many years ago. Take a look at what's coming up next at West. <laughs> I dreamed a dream in time gone by. I'm gonna focus my life with your You didn't expect that, did you? Did you? No. I dreamed that love will never die. I'm raving for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ha <laughs> ha, Charlie. Charlie bit me. This is worth every penny! <laughs> Several thousand years ago, one man's life went viral. The way he interacted and impacted the lives of others started a revolution that has stood the test of time. Together, we will explore components of that revolution and how we can live those out in our everyday lives. Check out West as we explore topics like reconciliation, perseverance, and a radical invasion of love with our upcoming series, Going Viral. 10 a.m. at Lake Norman High School or online at headingwest.org. This next one, uh, I will confess, it it was a bit of a stretch, and so uh, the point, and I hope we didn't just hurt somebody's guitar or something, but uh, the point in the, the meat of this uh, is interesting, so I'll just go on and say, so good job at stumping the pastor, because you really almost did, and you may tell me that you did, because this next point makes absolutely no spiritual sense, and please don't get offended by this commercial, uh, but you chose it. Take a look. I'm Dave and my bleep don't stink Well for a boy whose bleep don't stink Dave turned out to be a very well adjusted adult Good kid Bleep don't stink Well we first noticed it at his first birthday Nothing Nothing. I miss Dave My friend, her son's a lawyer But my son, his bleep don't stink So That's better than being a lawyer Mom, what is Febreze? You chose it. (laughs) Bleep don't stink. So that's a colloquialism. Uh, Have you ever heard that used? You know, so and so's beep doesn't stink. Will you clap if you've ever heard that? I had not until I met Scott Smith and we went to visit his mom and his dad and and his mom said that about somebody. Well, they, you know, think their, hmm, doesn't stink. And I was like, oh, well, that's an interesting thought. So I had to think through it and luckily I had thought through it years ago because there is a point to be taken away from that commercial, a point that is very important to our faith and it's called humility. You know, if, if we go through life And we think that our beep doesn't stink, then we've got some issues. And not necessarily literally, although, you know, they do make this product now that you, like, can squeeze into the commode. When I go to the conference office, which is, like, the headquarters for Methodism and the western part of the state, the half of our state, they have this stuff in there. And and I always want to use it, you know, but I I never have because I've never had the need to. And now you're like, oh, my gosh, I know too much about you, but... I believe in being real, uh, you know, and you're supposed to like squeeze it in the commode and then it's supposed to like put this film over top of it and, and then your beep won't stink. It's true. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's true. I mean, if you use it, let me know and then I can, we'll have some in the bathroom for you next Sunday. But the point is, now that I'm totally embarrassed, uh, the point is that we are called to be a people of humility. Rick Warren, who is the pastor of Saddleback Church in California, is one of the most uh, successful churches in America, said this about humility, and I, I think it's really powerful. Humility is not when we think less of ourselves. Humility is not when we think less of ourselves. Humility is when we think of ourselves less. Humility is not when we think less of who we are like, you know, self-deprecating. That, that isn't humility. Humility is when we think of ourselves less. A mentor once told me, if you go around and tell everybody how great you are, the odds are you probably aren't. You need to let everybody else figure it out. You don't need to tell it. Humility. Jesus was the master of of humility. I think that's what made him so lovable with all people. Perhaps it's, it's why the high religious leaders scorned him so much. He didn't fit in to their way of, of being and living. He didn't wear all the fancy robes and regalia. He, he was just an ordinary man who walked among ordinary people and loved them. And showed them what it was like to be a people of love. Take a look at this verse. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And the Lord will lift you up. When we humble ourselves, it means that we think less of ourselves in situations. And we start thinking more of other people. There's something mystical that happens when we do that. It's one of the reasons that we here at West try to be a missional faith community. And if we ever do have a building, and I'm not saying that we never will, but if we ever do, it won't just be a church where, you know, it sits empty six days of the week for the magic hour It needs to be a missional facility. When we think less of ourselves and think others of others more, that's when we start looking like Jesus. And when we lose that self-focus and we lose some of that ego and that pride, that's when God can do God's greatest work. Because you see, there's an openness within each of us that God can consume with love. When we sacrifice ourselves for other people, changes happen not just in the lives of the other people, they happen within us. Ask anyone who's ever been on a mission trip, whether it's to Uganda or the Death Village in Jamaica or Hurricane Relief uh, or even Wilmington. When we go and we sacrifice our energy and our time and our resources, change may happen in the community where we go, but the real change that happens is within us. So, we should never go through life thinking that we're above everything else. We should go through life looking to make a difference in the lives of others. And this leads us to the last commercial, the one that, I, that many of you voted for, and, and I think has probably the most powerful message of all the commercials that we saw. Take a look. To glory, driven since I was a child. You tell me life is a game, but it ain't a game to me. The lights are calling my name. Yeah, I got the energy to put it. We are free to move. Anything is possible. We are free to move in a love and a power and a peace and an energy that is much bigger than anything we can begin to even really humanly fathom. God is so much bigger than we are. And we all, each and every one of us in this room or worshiping online, we are going to face odds that seem like they are not in our favor. It may not be right now. It may be in years to come or you may have already lived through some very difficult odds. But the bottom line is no matter where we are and and what we have to live through, we're never alone. And the odds are on our favor if we lean on God as revealed to us through the person of Jesus. He's the one who showed us that even death Death in the most vile and vicious of ways is not the ultimate winner. Darkness does not win. Light does. God does. Love does. Love wins. And the odds, if we'll hold on to that principle that love always wins, the odds will always be in our favor. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are grateful that you are a God that helps us beat the odds Maybe not the odds as we see them in our human ways, but you have such a bigger perspective than we could ever begin to imagine. I just ask that you help us to see how you walk us through even the darkest of times and the darkest of circumstances, and you hold us together. God, you are a God that beats all odds. Thank you for being a God that reveals yourself to us through every part of our lives, even something as fun and seemingly silly as Super Bowl commercials. We can always learn more about you. For that, we are grateful. In Christ's name, amen. May you go in peace and know that as we gather together next Sunday, we will be in the season of Lent. Uh, May we be mindful of ways that we we can find God in our everyday lives and then live out that message of hope and love in everything that we do. May you go in peace. Amen.